Hebrews chapter number 13 and verse number 8 in your Bibles. Please, we begin our time this evening. The title of our message is Help Found for All the Time. Help Found for All the Time. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 8. Simply want to lay a foundation for what we want to talk about tonight. Verse number 8 of Hebrews 13. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Now look with me at Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 6. Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 6. Many of you probably already know these verses by heart. To follow up and to continue the thought from Hebrews 13 and 8, Malachi 3 and 6. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. That first aspect of that phrase is what I want us to consider. And I guess really, I shouldn't just stop there. We should be able to uh, understand that second part because the first lays the foundation for it. For I am the Lord, I change not. The premise that I want to start out with tonight is that we serve a God who's consistent. Who's exactly who he says he is. He's exactly who he has always been, and if he'll forever be exactly the way he is now. Now, he'll be enthroned here upon this planet Earth, positionally, but he's still, he's still positionally thrown as God, the King of kings and Lord of lords. But I want us to get a hold of the thought that these verses remind us plainly and tell us that God does not change. James chapter 1 and verse number 17, there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning with God. Again, laying the foundation and understanding that God does not change. The unchangeableness of God is wonderful news for us all. Man, what great news that is. You ever know anybody that changes? <laughs> You ever knew anybody that just, uh, you know, you, you knew them then and you, and you get to watch their life or you, you come across them a little bit later and you say, something's changed. They're different than they the way they were. Now, all that's sometimes in a, not always a positive sense. Sometimes it could be in a, a negative sense, a positive sense, either, either or. When we come to think of the Lord, this is wonderful news for us because the fact that God doesn't change... Since God is unchangeable, that means He's predictable. He's predictable in the way that He interacts with us. Predictable in the way He interacts with mankind. That predictability means that He's dependable in our reliance upon Him. Because we can know that God does not change... That makes him understand, in a sense, he's predictable. God is able to do anything he wants to do. But in his interactions, in the way he deals with mankind, the way he deals with us, he's predictable. How do we know? Because we see the Bible. We know that there are things that God does, the way he's always dealt with mankind. So we see that. We see that laid out for us in the Scriptures. 
And because we can know how God acts and how God responds according to his Bible, he's dependable. We can rely upon him. We can depend upon him. We can, with full confidence, rely on a God who will not change. I don't know about you, but that will encourage your heart. We can rely upon a God who will not change. I'm glad that our God is not fickle, aren't you? He never gets up on the wrong side of the bed. He never gets up with a bad attitude. He never gets uh, just put out with me. Well, maybe he does. But God is a God that we can rely upon. He will not change in the way he deals with us. Now, this is a positive and a negative. When we sin, we can be sure that God will deal with us with regards to our sin. He will reprove us. He will convict us. He might even punish us. But praise the Lord, he will always forgive us. He's predictable. He's consistent all the time. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, he's just to do that. He's faithful to do that. That's who God is. Praise God for that verse in the Bible, aren't you? That's one side of the equation. We can know that when sin comes into our lives, he's going to deal with us in particular areas. One side of the equation. The other side is that we can have confidence and rely upon a God who will not change in that he will not change in the way that he provides help to us. He'll not change in the way he provides help to us. In other words, he will not say, I don't feel like helping you today. I, I just, I'm just going to cut that off from you today. He does not change in the, his decisions to help us in the way that he helps us. God cares for his own, in other words. God always cares for his own. Now, the methods of God's caring may vary. The way in which he does it may change. He may care for you in one way. He may care for someone else in another way. But the fact of his care for his children does not change. It does not change. We can rest. We can rely upon that. And if ever we come to the decision or it would become a voice from our lips that said, God has forgotten me, then we are wrong. We have literally with our voice sought to make God the liar, which he cannot. His care is consistent. His care is always there. God cares for and provides help for his own at all times. At all times. Uh, Listen to Luke chapter number 12, verses 6 and 7. You're welcome to go there if you like. Luke 12, verses 6 and 7. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? And not one of them is forgotten before God. 
That's amazing to me. You ever watch sparrows? You ever tried to count them in your yard? God says he knows every single one of them. He knows what's taking place with them. But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. He says some of the same things out of Matthew chapter number 6. If you want to look at that passage with me, Matthew 6 verses 25 and 26. Matthew 6, 25 and 26. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body, uh, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not. Neither do they reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Well, <laughs> you haven't seen any barn, any bird silos lately. See some bird feeders, but no bird silos. They're not gathering and hoping for, looking for the uh, winter, a bad winter, and putting up for it. No, God cares for them. And he tells us that you are of more value than they are. Surely God will care for his own. God cares for his people. And I'm here to declare tonight that you can depend on a God who will not change. You can depend on that because he does not change. A God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever is the same dependable God who provides help yesterday, today, and forever. If God doesn't change, His help doesn't change. His provision doesn't change. There's help for the past. Some of us have got some sordid pasts. There's help for the past, there's help for the present, and there's help for the future. Three tenses, it's all there. Some people can't get out of the past. God has help for that. You ever run across somebody just living in the past? Can't, can't seem to get over it. Get over the hump. Set that, lay that aside and move forward. God has help for that. Some people are bogged down carrying a load in the present. God has help for that in the here and now. Some folks are so scared about the future, they wring their hands wondering what's going to happen next. God says, I got help for that too. Don't worry about it. I got help for that too. Remember, first of all, I want to see the three tenses of God's help. We've already mentioned them because God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We consider that with regards to his help. Remember God's help in the past. Remember the past tense of God's help. It'd do us good just sometime to sit down and think about all the ways God's helped us in the past. The Old Testament is a book of history. And part of that history is the recording of the way in which God has helped his people. 1 Samuel chapter 7. You want to turn where with me if you don't mind. 1 Samuel chapter 7. We'll look at this passage of Scripture. 
1 Samuel chapter 7. We could have turned to any passage in the Scripture, but here we find a passage that I think is helpful. The men of, verse 7, chapter 1, the men of Kirjath-Jerim came and fetched up the ark of the Lord and brought it to the house of Abinadab in the hill and sanctified Eleazar, his son, to keep the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass that while the ark abode at Kirjath-Jerim, that the time was long, for it was twenty years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. And Samuel, the prophet, he spoke unto all the house of Israel, saying, If you do return unto the Lord with all of your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtroth from among you and prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hands of the Philistines. The children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtroth and serve the Lord only. And Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah. And I will pray for you unto the Lord. And they gathered together in Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together in Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the children of Israel said unto Samuel, Cease not to cry out unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it for a burnt offering holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel. And the Lord heard him. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel, but the Lord thundered with a great thunder on the day upon the, on that day upon the Philistines and discomforted them, and they were smitten before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them, and they came under Bethkar until they came under Bethkar. And Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shin. And called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Let me just say that God's still able to thunder. God's still able to send the thunder in what seems like impossibilities. This stone that they erected is a stone of remembrance, the stone of help. That's what Ebenezer means. It's a stone of help, a remembrance. It was actually a town that uh, that was some time back. If you read earlier in 1 Samuel, that's where the battle began. And we spoke of it this morning where the Ark of the Covenant was taken by the Philistines. And now it was, it's, a, it's a stone that was raised up, a stone of remembrance. Sometimes I believe we just need to go back and revisit some Ebenezers in our life and remember the times that God helped us. If we would come back and remember, maybe we wouldn't be so quick to say, God's not helping us. God is left off helping me. Certainly, we all have those kinds of Ebenezers. Those times when God helped us. Those times when God came through. When if He didn't come through, it looked like all was lost. There's the past tense of God's help. There's the present tense of God's help. Psalm 46 and 1. 
Listen to the passage. Psalm 46 and verse number 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. We see the past tense of God's help. Now notice with me the present tense. He's an ever-present help, a very present help in trouble. He is our refuge and he is our strength. Present there in that passage literally means that of being near to us. He's always near us, even in the time of trouble. Not only is his presence near to us, but his provision is there for us in the time of trouble. Interesting that the word for help here out of that passage of Psalm 46 and 1 is the Hebrew word, the name is Ezra. Ezra. Ezra helped reestablish the spiritual and moral revival of the Jewish nation after the Babylonian captivity. And he prayed. He said, God, show us a way. God, make a way. God makes a way. And he still does. And he did then and he still does today. His help is always available. Psalm 32 and 8. I will instruct thee. I will teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. There's the help of the past. There's the help of the present. You got anything in your life tonight that you need some help in? God promises that help. Let's not back away from what God promises us. Let's take full advantage of God's blessings, God's provision to us. Isaiah 43 and 2. When thou passest through the waters, I'll be with thee. I love this verse. Such an amazing verse. When thou passest through the waters, I'll be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. The passage does not say, does not promise, there'll be no trouble. Sometimes we come to that place. There's trouble in my life. God somehow must have left me. There's trouble in my life. God's not providing. The passage does not provide trouble. As a matter of fact, Jesus in the New Testament, teaching of the Gospels, tells us, we talked about it in Sunday school. If we're going to live godly in this world, we are to expect that persecution. I was... Amazed this week, we were listening to this lady on one of the Christian radio stations, I think BBN, and she was telling the story of the prisoner of hope. As we were listening to that, to this prisoner who had, American who had gone through Patan, he's made his way onto the other side, and he loved the Lord as a witness all the way through it. By this time, he said he weighed about 86 pounds. And he, he said that being a prisoner of war there in Japan at that point in time, to have a, a pencil, have a paper, have a book was contraband. Well, he just longed and hungered for the word of God. So he came across a pencil and he hid it away. He came across some paper. 
and he hid them away. And then he found out that someone had a partial copy of a New Testament in the barracks. The men were taking the copy of that New Testament. It was partial because the men, during the day, the prisoners would would pick up the the cigarette butts of of the Japanese as they would throw them down and they would get them and they could get a whole, uh, I guess, cigarette and they would tear the pages out of the New Testament and roll up those cigarettes and smoke them. So he said it was just a partial copy. But oh, he was so glad to get it. So he found a place one evening. Now he had a partial copy of the New Testament. He had a pencil and he had a piece of paper. So he got into a place, and and as she was relaying the story, he was just enthralled with writing that copy of that New Testament, writing verse after verse, because he knew he couldn't keep it long. And so he was writing it on these pieces of paper as small as he could and getting as many verses as he could, because he wanted a copy of God's Word. And he did it for a day or two, and then he heard some people coming up behind him. It was his captors. He said, you have contraband, therefore you must be punished. He said that that old Japanese guard began to beat him. And he beat him on every place of his body. And he said he woke up several days later from being unconscious. And he said he could not turn over. He could not move. And he said every... Every inch of his body was either an open wound or a black and blue bruise. And he began to cry out and said, God, why? God, why? You tell us to read your word. You want us to read your word. Lord, that's all I wanted. Why? And he said it was as though God just came in and said, I just want you to know. What a privilege it is to suffer for the cause of Christ. I want you to know what I did for you upon Calvary. No man suffered like Jesus Christ. And he began to tell the testimony of how his heart and his attitude went from that of bitterness and anger and frustration to joy even in the midst of his circumstances. He found God's help. He found God's provision. And he found God's love in a way that he never would have had this not happened to him. An amazing story. God does not promise there will be no trouble. God does not promise there will be no water. He does not promise there will be no rivers that we will have to cross. He does not promise there will not even be fires that we may have to go through. But be assured there will be one that would be in the furnace with us. It does not mean no of these things, but it does mean the promise is there that His presence and His provision will be there for us through them. We're just strangers and pilgrims passing through. This is not our home. We get so settled down. We get so caught up in a routine. We get so caught up in, a, in, a, in the details. We miss the God who's over them all. 
There's the past help, remember it. There's the present help, rest in it. Because God doesn't change, we can rest in Him. We can trust Him. His predictability makes Him dependable. We can wait upon Him. We can rest upon Him. And then lastly, the third one, there's the future help, rejoice in it. The future help. I'm glad that I don't have to wait till the next election cycle. I'm just waiting for Jesus to come. (laughs) We often fret, and I understand it. I say, I I, I really, in some ways I do, in some ways I don't. But we fret when, and we pray that people would remain here. Christians, I mean, would remain here. And it's, these are family, close When God takes one of his saints home, one of his faithful saints, think about it, he takes them home. And you know what? One day we're going to get to go home too. That's home. We sometimes pray like heaven's a bad place. Oh God, don't let them go. (laughs) And I'm not trying to be smart. I, I, I understand it. Please don't take me as being a smart aleck. I don't mean that at all. But I'm just simply saying, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we see Jesus, it will be worth it all. The help, the past, God's been good. Aren't you glad he forgave you of your sins? We're not having to go through double jeopardy with him. We don't have to be go back to the bar and, and go back to the to the before the, the, the throne room and give an account to some sin that's been forgiven. It's been forgiven and forgotten. It'll never be brought up again. I'm thankful for the help that he gives us today. God forgive me for complaining and whining and moping and groping. Because of how bad I got it. I'm just reminded. I've been reminded this week out of the pictures. Just some of the pictures of other parts of the world. Places like Afghanistan. I can't help but think what it would be like to be a Christian there. Can't help but think about it. Be a Christian in a place like North Korea. God's good to us. Always good to us. The help of the present and then the help of the future. Look with me at 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3 verses 3 and following. The help of the future. 2 Peter chapter 3 verses 3 through and following. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Sounds like some professors from some liberal education facility. Verse number five. For this they willingly are ignorant of. This is the word of God. That by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water in and in the water, whereby the world that 
then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, what's the word? The word of God, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment, perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens will pass away, and the great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up, seeing then that these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought we to be in a holy conversation and godliness? Looking, looking for and hastening into the coming of the day of the Lord, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth. Wherein dwelleth righteousness. That's the help that God has promised for us. I'm thankful for the help of God, aren't you? God has been so good. One more verse, Hebrews 4 and 16, I'll just read it. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help. In the time of need. The same God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever is the same God that provides help for yesterday, today, and forever. Remember it, rest in it, and rejoice in it. That's the goodness of our God. Let's bow in prayer.